Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning. It's good to see you. Thank you for being here with us. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 32. Jeremiah chapter 32. Today I want to look at um, a new study as we start this morning, and we're going to look at um, God's power. Now I don't know about you, about um, you as me, but there's things in our life it seems like we, um, may God give us some power, maybe God's give us some ability to do certain things, whether it's a play a sport, God may have given some of you the, the ability to do that, some may have given... Um, some of you, the ability to do cooking, some of you, God gave you talents to do certain trades or certain occupations, but then there's some things maybe you feel like in your life, you know, God did not give me the ability or the power to do that, right? I would say for me, um, God's given me some different um, abilities and talents, but do not ask me to do any construction work because if I'm going to build something with my hands with carpentry, it will be a disaster. I mean, I just do not have the understanding. I don't have the power. I just, that is beyond my limits. And I, when it comes to that, I feel insufficient. I feel powerless. Now, Brandy's dad is very good with that. And so he, um, when there's, we need something around the house that needs to be fixed in that way, carpentry work, call, Brandy, call your daddy. Don't look at your husband because it's going to be a mess. Now, if we need to work on a car, you know, I can handle that, right? But um, not when it comes. But so all of us have our limitations. We have limits to what we can and what we cannot do. And throughout our world, there are limits, right? There, um, there are different things that are seen as powerful, but all power has limits, right? All power has limits. Even in our world today, there is, when we think about power, we think about electricity. And one of the most powerful uh, sources of electricity is nuclear energy. Most of you probably know that. Did you know that just down the road from us in New Hill, North Carolina, so just about 20 minutes um, south of southwest of Raleigh, there is a nuclear power plant. And that nuclear power plant will pro- can produce up to 900 megawatts of power a day. So, and that seems that seems, I don't even know what that means. I mean, what that is, but that's a lot. It's a mega, okay? So it's a lot. Um, and it actually started, it was built in May um, and actually began function in May 2nd of 1987. But even though it is powerful and even though it almost averages, if you look at the graphs, it averages about 600 to 700 megawatts a day that it produces, but it has its limits. It can't produce, just say, it has to take times where they have a, a shutdown, a, a planned shutdown for cool. They have different things that has its limit. It just can't produce um, more than what its capacity. So although it produces a lot of power, it has its limits. It's not even the most powerful power plant or nuclear power plant in the world. There's one in Arizona that produces almost 4,000 megawatts a day. 
Ours is 500, right? So that's a whole lot. So it has its limits. So even some of the greatest power in our world has limits. And I want you to think about in your life, now we've talked about different abilities you may feel like you're powerless over. You may not be a, a construction um, good with carpentry like me, or maybe you say, you know, one thing that I'm terrible at is cooking. And um, now husbands, don't hit your wives at this moment, right? This is not the moment to do that. Um, so you may have your limits and different things, but how about things in your life that you just feel like you are powerless in? I was thinking about scripture and different stories in the Bible where we see men and women of God who faced circumstances that they felt like they were powerless in. There were limits to what they could do. I think of the widow and the son and, and how when Elijah comes to this town, he finds this widow and her finances are gone. There's barely enough flour in the pot to make it through another day. She was limit in her finances she was powerless to where her finances were. And maybe that's some of you here today. Today, financially, it is not a good time for you, not a, a period in, in your life that it just seems like everything financially is falling apart before your eyes. And you feel like you are powerless to do anything about it. It is beyond your control, beyond your ability. Some of you, it's your marriage. You've tried and you've tried and you've tried, but it just seems like things in your marriage are not where it should be. And I think about the story in the Bible of David, I mean, of Abigail Nabal. Here's a family and their marriage was falling apart. And Abigail was looking to the Lord of, Lord, what is your answer? It may be a wayward family member or a child. I think about David and Absalom and about the, the dynamic of here's a son who was fighting with his father. And David's prayer over his wayward son. And that may be you here today. You may have a, a child or a family member that just seems like they've gone off the deep end. And you feel like you're powerless to do anything in their life. And to bring them back. Maybe it's having children. I think about Abraham and Sarah and, and Sarah's barrenness. And how they prayed to the Lord that God would provide for them a son. Maybe it's overcoming grief. Maybe you lost a loved one and it seems like the grief has just taken over you and you feel like you can't overcome the grief of loss in your life. I think of Job as we've been reading over these last few months. Job felt like the grief that was in his life, he had no power to overcome it. I think of maybe you feel like you're powerless to the destruction of sin in our world. The sin of a nation. And today as we come to Jeremiah, we see that. We see a nation that's falling apart. And it's a nation that's falling apart because of sin that was in the nation. And there is war and there is destruction and there is death. And Jeremiah and the nation feels powerless to what's happening in the world. I don't know where you are today, but I, I want you, as we begin today, I want, you to, I want you to think about in your life. What is something in my life right now that I feel like I am powerless over? Something, let's use these words, something that feels too hard for me. This right now in my life, Lord, is too difficult and I don't have the power to overcome it. So would you pray with me, every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to just think about right now and maybe pray to the Lord, Lord, you know my heart. Lord, you know how I feel like my finances, Lord, I'm powerless over. Maybe you said, Lord, today you know where 
my marriage is, and you know, I feel powerless over what's happening. And maybe it's a family issue. Maybe it's a wayward child or a family member. Maybe it's having children. Maybe it's overcoming grief. Maybe it's the destruction of sin in your family or in this nation. But right now, right where you are, we just be honest with the Lord. Lord, right now, I feel powerless. This seems too hard for me. And I want you today, as we begin, you declare what's too hard for you and what you feel powerless over. And when you cry out to the Lord today, I need you. Lord, it's hard for us to admit weakness. It's hard for us to admit that things are too hard for us. It's hard for us to admit that we feel powerless. It's hard for us to be desperate, Lord. Broken. But Lord, I pray for a spirit of brokenness in this room. Lord, I pray for a spirit of transparency among us today. That God, we realize our limits today and our need for you, Lord. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for what you've led us to and this passage of scripture you've led us to. And Lord, as we come together as a body of believers, those in person and those who are watching, Lord, we, we come acknowledging, Lord, Lord, we need you today. Say, Lord, may you fill this place. Lord, may you fill me. Lord, may you anoint the words that I declare today. And Lord, may what I speak would be, Lord, your words. And that word, Lord, would be a salve unto our hearts. That would heal the wounds of the heart. And lead us to you, Lord, today. Our source of strength, our source of power our source of hope. So lead us, Lord, through your word today. Give us hearts that are open and responsive to you, Lord, what you lead us to today. In your name we pray, amen. As we come to this this morning, we're starting a new series, and um, we just finished Joshua, and then we did a series through the Church Mission Month, and this morning we're starting a new series called The Attributes of God. Now, there are different attributes as we study theology, and theology means the study of God, right? So as you think about, as we study God, we want to know more about who this God is. And so there's many different attributes of God. Some are incommunicable. That means that there are some things that, some attributes that God has are not shared by humans, right? And then there's communicable, which means these attributes are shared by us. We have some of these. And so as we study in the next few weeks, we're going to study the ones that we share with the Lord, okay? Last week, we looked at the very first attribute of God, and that is God's holiness, 
All right, we can have God's holiness. God can impart us his holiness. And this week we're looking at God's omnipotence. God's omnipotence. Now I want you to think about um, as we come this morning to this passage of scripture, we're going to see Jeremiah declare that God is all-powerful. He is omnipotent. It's really as I've asked you about hard situations that you're facing, things that you feel like are, that are beyond your control, beyond your power, or um, beyond your limits, that you feel powerless. As we come to Jeremiah, there are really two situations that were happening at the time. Number one, Jeremiah is in prison. Um, Jeremiah was a prophet, and a prophets were commanded by, to be God's messenger to his people, Israel. And that's what uh, I, Jeremiah had done. He'd been faithful. God had given him words. And he'd been faithful to share those words. But those words were not popular to the people at that time. Israel had been in sin, had been living in sin. And Jeremiah, through God, has been spoke, speaking out against that sin. And part of, um, part of the result of them being in sin was God's judgment was coming against Israel. Jeremiah would prophesy that, that God would use the rod of Babylon to strike Israel, to bring God's judgment upon Israel because of their sin. And Jeremiah had proclaimed that. This is what God's judgment is for you. And he's been prophesying that. Babylon had come and taken over Israel at the time. All of Israel had been captured. The only city that was left was Jerusalem. As we come to Jeremiah 32, it is the last year of the war between Babylon and Israel. And in this last year, Babylon would take Jerusalem. So one of the insurmountable situations at this time was one, Jeremiah was in prison because of him preaching truth. Secondly, Babylon was about to overtake Israel. They'd taken all the land. They were about to take the capital city, which is Jerusalem, which is in Judea. And then the second aspect was they were going to carry them to captivity. So that's what they're facing here. So let's look at Jeremiah 32 and and, um, we'll see the beauty of this passage. And here Jeremiah declare God's omnipotence. Listen to what he says in verse 16. If you stand with me, Jeremiah 32, starting at verse 16, we'll read through 27 this morning. It says, after I had given the deed of purchase, the Baruch the son of Neriah, I prayed to the Lord saying, Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth and by your great power and by your outstretched outstretched arm, nothing is too hard for you. You show steadfast love to thousands, but you repay the guilt of their fathers to the children after them. O great and mighty God, whose name is the Lord of hosts, Great in counsel and mighty indeed, whose eye are open to all the ways of the children of man, regarding each one according to his ways and according to the fruits of his deeds. You have shown the signs and wonders in the land of Egypt to this day in Israel among all mankind and have made a name for yourself as um, at this day. You brought your people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs and wonders, with a strong hand and an outstretched arm, and with great terror. You gave them 
this land which you swore to their fathers to give them, a land flowing of milk and honey. And they entered and took possession of it, and they did not obey your voice or walk in your law. They did nothing of all that you commanded them to do. Therefore, you have made all this disaster come upon them. Behold, the siege mounts have come up to the city to take it because of the sword and the famine and the pestilence in the city is given into the hands of Chaldeans who are fighting against it. What you have spoken has come to pass. Behold, you, I, um, you see it. Yet you, O Lord, have said to me, buy the field for money and get witnesses. Though the city is given into the hand of Chaldeans. And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? You may be seated. God's omnipotence, um, Wayne Grudem described it this way, God's omnipotence is God's omnipotent means God is able to do all his holy will. God's uh, omnipotence comes from the word, Latin word omni, which means all, and potentence, which means powerful. So omnipotence means God is all-powerful. God is all-powerful in um, what he decides to do. God has no limits in his power. As we look at a nuclear plant, it has its limits. As we look at your life, you have your limits. Scripture teaches us that God has no limits to his power. He is all-powerful. Old Testament teaches us that. We see this in Psalm 24. Who is the king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle in speaking to abraham as um, god speaks to abraham and declares and reveals himself this is the first one of israel right who will become a nation and as he discloses himself to abraham as he identifies himself to abraham it's almost an introduction if you will between god and man and god and this future nation that this is what he says to abraham is there anything too hard for the lord at the appointed time, I'll return to you, and about this next time, Sarah will have a son. Here, this is the idea of what I mentioned to you earlier. For Abraham and Sarah, having a child seemed to be too hard for them. And God says to Abraham, Abraham, is anything too hard for me? It may be too hard for you, but for me, Abraham, there is nothing that's too hard for me. He's in the New Testament, we see the same imagery echoed in the New Testament that God is all powerful. In um, Ephesians 3.20, it says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. The Lord, scripture says, Paul says that he is able to do more than we ask, I mean, or think. Another translation says, all we ask or can imagine. There's things in your life that you can imagine that may happen. God has the ability, the power to do more than you ask or more than you can even imagine. And this is according to what? Scripture says, according to the power, according to his almighty, sovereign, omnipotent all-powerful power, God is able to do more than we ask or imagine. He is all-powerful. In, in the Greek, they use a term called almighty. And when he uses almighty in the New Testament, the Greek term um, possesses this idea that the one who is almighty possesses all power 
and all authority. This means he, he owns it. This is in his possession. He has this in him. Like I said, there's things where you say that I, I do not possess, or as I said, I do not possess the, the ability to do carpentry work, right? That's not something I have, right? I don't possess that. For God, he possesses all power. There's no limits. There's no insufficiencies in him. He is in possession of all power and all authority. Scriptures would show us this. It says in 2 Corinthians 6, 18, we hear this um, Greek term almighty use. I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters um, to me, says the Lord Almighty. In Revelation 1, 18, it says, I love this passage. I am the Alpha and Omega says the Lord God, who is, who was, and is to come, the Almighty. I love that passage of scripture. God is the all-powerful. He, he possesses all power. And then that, we see scriptures where Jesus does, uses his power to do what? The impossible. To do the things that are beyond our imagination or beyond what we can even ask. And in scripture, we just read this in our Bible reading plan in Luke. Mary, angel comes to the Lord. I mean, angel comes to Mary and says, what, you will conceive a, a, a baby and he'll be the son of the most high? And she's, how, how can this be? She can't even imagine this. It's, it's beyond what she would ever ask. And this is what the, the angel says, for nothing will be impossible with God. See, because he is all-powerful, because he is omnipotent, there's nothing impossible with God. Jesus says um, these same words, but Jesus looked at them in Matthew 19, 26, and Jesus looked at them and says, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So as you look to this, your life, and you see these things in your life that you feel like are or beyond my power, beyond my ability, I feel like I'm, um, I'm, I'm limited or this is too hard for me. Scripture says they're not too hard for God. That's actually the very being of who God is, is God is a God who has all power. I think it's important as we understand God's power, there's things that we must understand about his power. One is that God will not do anything contrary to his holy character. You remember last week we talked about God as a holy being. It's not something that he's gained or merited holiness, right? This is something of who he is. Holiness is part of his being. It's at the core of who God is. And as a result, God will not do anything that's contrary to that holiness, right? And so that's important for us to understand. So although God is all powerful, there's things that God will not do. One thing he will not do, scripture tells us, is he won't do anything contrary to his holy character, and that would be lying. He will not, God will not lie. Titus tells us that um, in hope of eternal life, which God who never lies. God would not lie because that'd be contrary to what? His holiness. God will not sin, right? Um, and so by lying, that would be a sin. In Hebrews 6, 18 is another passage that tells us that. So that two unchanging thing, changeable things, which it is impossible for God to lie. For we have fledged for refuge that we might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope that is set before us. So God will not lie. 
Well, so God will not be tempted, will not sin. And James 1.13 says, let no one say he is tempted. I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, for he himself tempts no one. So God would not do anything contrary to his character. So I think it's important for us to understand what is God's omnipotence. It means he is all-powerful. He, there's nothing beyond his power, his ability. He possesses all power. And as we come to Jeremiah thir- chapter 32, you see this impossible situation. You see here, um, Jeremiah is in prison. You see the land is being overtaken um, by the Babylonians and Chaldeans. Jeremiah is in prison. They're in the last year that uh, Babylon is there already seized most of the land. The only land that hasn't been taken is Jerusalem. Seems to be an impossible situation. Here in this impossible situation, God comes to Jeremiah and says, hey, you've got a neighbor. You, I mean, you've got a cousin that's going to come up. And your cousin's going to come up and, and ask you to buy a piece of land. Oh, by the way, the land that he's going to ask you to buy is the land that Babylon has already captured. And when he comes to you, I want you to buy that land. You know, now you're thinking about me, like me, that seems foolish, right? Babylon's already captured land. He doesn't even possess the land because the Babylonians, why would God ask him to buy the land? So he says, when your cousin comes, he's going to offer you land, you buy the land. You um, You buy it even though the Babylonians have taken it. So that's what happens here as you look at, the, if you read through verse 32 up to verse 16, the, uh, um, his cousin comes, he asks him to buy this piece of land. Jeremiah listens to what the Lord says. He takes the land, he buys it, he buys it um, the way officially it should be done, especially witnesses. He buys it with the witnesses that God commanded to make sure it's official. And then he comes to verse 16 and he says, Lord, this doesn't make sense. God, you you have come against this land and judgment has overtaken it. Babylon has already overtaken this land. Why would you have me buy this land that's already been taken and that you're going to take, take it? And the reason why God had Jeremiah buy the land was in faith. That just as God had promised that he would come to judge, God also promised that as he would come to judge, he would take them from there and he'd carry them into captivity. And then after captivity, God promised that he would bring his people back. And he says to Jeremiah, I want you to buy the land to show the people in faith that right now it seems impossible that this, we would ever dwell in this land again. We would ever come back after the Babylonians take us after they capture us, after they carry us onto Babylonian captivity, there is no way we'll ever come back home again. He says, Jeremiah, I want you to buy the land because although in, the, in your mind and in the mind of the people of Israel, there is nothing too hard for me. And listen, I want you to hear the different ways in which Jeremiah in this passage of scripture demonstrates God's omnipotence. Number one, look at, this, look at verse 16 and 17. He says, after I'd given the deed of purchase to um, Barak, the son of Neriah, I prayed to the Lord saying, and here's Jeremiah, he's wrestling. He, he's been faithful to do what God told him to do, to buy the land. 
He knows what God has prophesied, that he would come in judgment, he would carry them in captivity, and he also knows that um, God promised that he would bring them back. By the way, that is Jeremiah, um, that, for I know the plans I have, declares the Lord, plans not to harm you, but to give you hope in the future. That is that promise, that I will bring Israel back. So Jeremiah knows these things, but Jeremiah's still wrestling with it. Why? Because right at this moment, he's in prison. Right in this moment, the army is, is seizing or getting ready to take over the city. And then where he is in that moment, it seems like it is impossible. It seems to be too hard for Jeremiah, and it seems to be too hard for his people. And so he's wrestling with the Lord, even praying. And he says, oh, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth and by your great power and your outstretched arm, nothing is too hard for you. First, Jeremiah recognizes, God, you're omnipotent over all creation. Listen to the words he says there in verse 17. It is you who have what? Made the heavens and the earth and by your great power and your outstretched arm it's God he you can imagine Jeremiah's here in prison and he's thinking about all the land of Israel and all the destruction he's seen pestilence he's seen all these disasters coming upon the land verse 34 you see the sword the famine the pestilence is coming into the city all this destruction has been about Jeremiah and Jeremiah declares from the very beginning but God, all these things are happening around me. But God, I declare you have power. You're all powerful. You are omnipotent over all creation. Another passage of scripture, we see this described as Paul in Acts 17, 24 through 27. If you, if you want to turn there with me, I think it's good for you to see this passage. So go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. Paul is addressing the false gods that are in Athens. And he describes his God. In verse 24, he says, The God who made the world and everything in it being the Lord of heaven and earth, he does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. He himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined lauded periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel their way toward him and find him he is actually not far from each one of us in scripture jeremiah describes god you are the lord of all creation paul would say god you are the one who created all things but he says by your hands you've created what man you've created life you've given mankind life and breath and you from every man, you've you created periods of time on the earth. You created the earth, but you determined periods and boundaries, um, times that people live. God, you are sovereign over all creation, even human life. You determine periods in which people live. 
God, you are sovereign over all creation. I want you to think about in your life, um, you know, I think there's times in our life that we want power, we want control, we want to be able to handle different things in our life, we want to be able to fix it. You, you, I don't know if you're a fixer, whether there's a problem that comes in your life, it's a, whether it's a, whatever it may be, I'm, I'm that way. Yesterday, Chloe's car broke down and I was like, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to fix it? How am I going to fix it? So I got my tool bag, I got my little OBD scanner, whatever it is, and I got my stuff and I drove to the car and I was like, okay, how am I going to fix it? You know, I've got a problem, how am I going to fix it? I want to fix when there is a problem. And many times, there's times where, like yesterday, I'm like, well, this is beyond Jonathan. All right, this is beyond my ability. But there's times in your life, you and I come to problems, and sometimes we try to do things really that are beyond our power. We don't have power to change. I think we see that in our world today. We, we hear global warming. We hear about what's happening to our earth. And we think about what can we do to stop our earth, earth from eroding? How can we fix that? And some of that is beyond our ability or beyond our power. But we also want to do that with our bodies, right? When health issues come upon our life, when sickness comes, we try to figure out what, is there new balance? Can I take this new um, vegetable in a, in a capsule and it's going to give me, you know, really good health wise and it will cure all my health issues. Or I heard about this new vitamin that I can give and it'll keep me from getting sick or I can maybe do this and this will really help my health. And, and we do different things to try to think what I can, I can be in control of my health, right? I can help myself and make myself stronger, and in the end, those are really good things, right? I mean, that's why I'm a runner, like, right? because I want to stay healthy. But the reality is, listen to me, we have no power over our life. Just as much as we have no power over this creation. There are things in your life, health-wise, your life-wise, are beyond your power. And I think about this is so important because there are so many here today. It seems like you're on a rock and roller coaster of health issues. You go from one thing to another thing comes up. And then another comes up. And it feels like you look to the, the doctors for answer about all the health issues that you're facing right now. And you feel like you can't find any solution. And it feels like your health today is out of, your, out of control and out of your power. But can I tell you today, no matter how bad you are Dealing with health issues today, God has the power of your life. I think of Kenneth Page today as I thought about this this morning. Kenneth was a man that's in our church and just recently passed away last week. And last June or July, he got a diagnosis that he had cancer. And it was all over his body. The doctors didn't give him very little time to live. And for the next few months, Kenneth would wrestle and he would try to find hope and, and solutions with the doctors and chemo drugs and different therapies, immunotherapy and all those different things, trying to figure out when, when is, what, how much time do I have left? And I'll never get sitting in his living room and Mr. Kenneth Page looked at me and said, Jonathan, I, I know what the doctor says, but there's only one who really knows when my day will come and that is the Lord. And he put his trust in the Lord. And I ask you today, what are you putting the trust, what are you putting your life, whose hands is it? Are you trusting your life in the hands of the Almighty, the All-Powerful? 
I think it's important because there's those who are in this room. Listen to me. I think this is really important. There's those in your room that you feel powerless over your life right now. But then there's some in here you think you're totally good. You know, I'm healthy, pastor. I'm a young person. I'm a teenager. And I'm good. You don't have to worry about my life. I've got many more years. Can listen to can I tell you today. I don't care how young you are. God is the one who knows your time. And it doesn't matter whether you think you're healthy or not. In a moment, he can take you home. And there needs to be a holy fear that my life is not in my hands, no matter how good I think it is. He is the one who holds my life. He is the one who, listen, is all-powerful over me. So I think it's important to understand that God is omnipotent over creation, and that means he's omnipotent over me. Secondly, Jeremiah says, and here's this is relevant for Jeremiah because he's in prison. And he says, God, you're, you're omnipotent over creation. But secondly, for Jeremiah, he's omnipotent over all flesh. In verses 26, he's, as he's wrestling with this, he cries out to the Lord. And in verse 26, he's, the Lord responds to him. I think it's important for you to see this. Read with me. In verse 26, the Lord of the Lord came to Jeremiah Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I am giving this city into the hands of the Chaldeans, into the hands of King Nebuchadnezzar, and king of Babylon, and he shall capture it. And the Chaldeans who are fighting against this city shall come and set this city on fire and burn it with the houses on, those, on whose roofs offerings have been made to Baal and drink offerings that have been poured out to other gods." To provoke me to anger. For the children of Israel, the children of Judea, have done nothing but evil in my sight from their youth. The children of Israel have done nothing but provoke me to anger by the works of their hands, declares the Lord. This city has aroused my anger and the wrath from the day it was built to this day, so that I will remove it from my sight. Because of all the evil the children of Israel and the children of Judah, that they did to provoke me to anger. Their kings, their officials, their priests, their prophets, their men of Judah, and their habits of Jer Jerusalem. They have turned me, um, turned to me their backs and not their face. And though I've taught them, uh, taught them persistently, they have not listened to receive instruction. He is omnipotent in all, all, all flesh. You see this passage of scripture you can imagine Jeremiah's in prison. The armies are circling the city. The whole nation's been captured. There's been famine. There's been pestilence. The king is looking for power. He's actually upset at Jeremiah for prophesying. This. He's looking for hope. He's looking for answers. He's looking at whether he has power to find victory over these enemies that are coming. And then God reminds Jeremiah, Jeremiah, it's I who have the power over all flesh. He says in this passage of scripture, it's I. I'm the one who gave the Chaldeans the power to come and overtake. I'm the one who's given the power to King Nebuchadnezzar to come. I'm the one who has power over all flesh. He, he's reminding Jeremiah, he's reminding the people of Israel 
It's not King Nebuchadnezzar that's such a, a formidable uh, um, king that he's just got so much power and there's such a big nation, there's nobody can overtake them, right? It's not that he's that great. It's not the Chaldeans are that great. Nope. I'm the one who has the power and I've given it to them that they might overtake you. You can imagine for them, you can, I think when we, when we are powerless, something in our life, there is a, a danger in us to, to, when we seem like things are out of control or things seem too hard for us, many times we turn to sin, right? When we're hopeless, we don't know what to do, when it's out of our, over our heads, where it's out of control, and we don't know how to fix our finances, we don't know how to fix our marriage, we don't know how to fix these different things in our life, many times we, we turn to, well, I can't do anything about it, so I'm going to turn to something else that maybe you could feel the hurt or the pain or the suffering that is in my life. So we turn to sin. We get bitter. God, I didn't deserve this. What have I done to done? I've tried to be a, a Christian. I've tried to live for you. Why would you allow this to happen? We get bitter. Then maybe we turn into a little gossip. Man, do you hear what they've done? Or you hear how they've done this to me? Have you heard what my family's done? We turn, we, if it's an issue with our spouse, you hear what my spouse has done to me? We turn to gossip. We turn to anger. We get mad. We get angry. We turn to jealousy. Man, why, Lord, when I've got all this stuff happening to me and I feel like it's out of control and I have no power, but look at that guy down the street or look at my coworker or look at my other family member or look at that neighbor and they seem like everything's going good for them. Their health is good, their finances are good, their marriage is good, everything is good for them. We get jealous, we envy. That's what Israel had done. Israel, when things were over their heads or beyond their power, they turned to sin. They turned to worshiping bells and other gods. They thought that they would be their answer. And God is telling Israel, reminding Israel, Israel, you trusted in the wrong God. You've trusted in the wrong thing. I am the one who has power. I'm the one who have all power. Don't trust in men and don't trust in yourselves. Trust in me. Third, and I finish up this morning. Third, he's omnipotent over salvation. In Jeremiah 32, he again, Jer- Jeremiah has asked the Lord, Why did you have me buy this land? Seems foolish. I mean, the. King Nebuchadnezzar and Chaldeans are here. They're about to take over the land. They even had the possession of the land you asked me to buy. Doesn't make sense why you asked. I know what you promised, but it just right now in this moment, it doesn't seem like this is right. And the Lord responds to him. And and these are why I'm bringing destruction because of the sin, because they've not trusted in me, the God of all flesh, but they've trusted in their own flesh. And then third, he, he reminds them of his power his all-powerful over salvation, his omnipotence over salvation. This is what he says. Now, therefore, this says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning this city which you have said, it is given to the hands of the king of Babylon by sword and by famine and by pestilence. Behold, I will gather them from all the countries which I drove them in my anger and my wrath and my great indignation. I will bring them back to this place and I will make them dwell safely. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. I will give them one heart and one way, that they may fear me forever for their own good and the good of their children after them. 
I will make with them an everlasting covenant. I will not turn them away from doing good to them. I will put fear in their hearts. They will not turn from me. I will rejoice in doing them good, and I will plant them in the land in faithfulness with all my heart and with all my soul. God says, you know what? There's a time right now that I have power over all flesh, and by my power, I've given power to King Nebuchadnezzar and the Chaldeans to bring judgment upon my people. And I have power over all flesh. Trust in my power. But listen, trust in my power to save. Just as much as I've come and I've brought these people against you, I will come and restore you. And he talks about how he will bring them back, right? He will gather them from the countries that he drove them away. And when he brings them back, he will what, give them one heart and one way that he might fear the Lord, they might fear the Lord for their good and for the children after them. You know, I think when you think about God's power, I heard one writer, I think it was um, Erickson who said this this week, that when you think about God's power, you think, you know, God may have power to move mountains, and that would be incredible. God has power to do um, some amazing things like um, natural feats, like he has power to do these amazing things. But you know what the, one of the greatest powers that God has? A power that none of us possess. A power to change the heart and soul of man. You know, you don't have the power to do that. You may wish you had the power to do that, but you don't. You know, uh, uh, we struggle with that in our lives because we see struggles in our marriages or struggle with a wayward son or a wayward child or struggle relationships. And we wish we can what, change that person. But we can't. The amazing power of God, of this omnipotent God, is God can. In Scripture, we see this in Matthew. In Matthew 9, let's turn there. Matthew 9, Jesus has just crossed over in a boat and he comes into a city. Matthew chapter 9, starting at verse 1, it says, in and after getting into the boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. Behold, some people brought him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, listen to this, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, the scribes and the Pharisees said to themselves, this man is blaspheming. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, says, why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise up and walk? You know, here's that imagery, right? We would think, man, that's amazing that God would have the power to, by his power, say something. And someone who could be lame would go from lame to walk. Jesus says, which is more powerful, telling someone to rise up or walk, or telling someone that their sins are forgiven? The answer is, obviously, the greatest power is the power that God has to forgive. Not only to forgive, but listen, to save. Turn with me a few chapters to the right, the Matthew 19. 
you and I, one, can't forgive someone sins, right? That's only something God can do. We can't change the heart of man, right? Seeing their faith, he says, Lord, you're, he says to the, the man, your sins are forgiven, right? God changed the heart of a man in that moment, right? So that was something that only God do, can do. But God in this passage, or Jesus declares in this passage of scripture, there are things I've asked you at the very beginning that are too hard for you. You know what one thing is too hard for you? Salvation. We said it last week. How can what an only holy man come to a holy God? You can't. Why? Because you're unholy and God is not. So your only hope for salvation is not in and of your sin. Why? Because Romans 3.23 said we're all sinners and fall short of the glory of God, right? For Romans 3 says we're all um, sin, but we've all done wrong. There's no good in us. No, not one, right? There's none of us who do good. No, not one. So how can we sinners find salvation? It is impossible. And Jesus would say this in Matthew 19. Look what it says in verse 23. It says, and Jesus says to the disciple, truly I say to you, only with the difficulty with the rich person who enters the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, this easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished. Who then can be saved? Jesus is talking about salvation. He says it's easier for a, a, a camel to go through an eye of a needle than a rich man to be saved. And this is not just saying that only, only it's difficult for rich men to be saved. The idea in this parable is that that's the difficulty of all men to be saved. It'd be easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle it's impossible with man. But listen to what Jesus says. The disciples hear this and their response is not, well, how can a rich man be saved? He says, they say, well, who then can be saved, right? And look at what Jesus says in verse 26. But Jesus looked at him and says, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You see, God is omnipotent over creation. God is omnipotent of all flesh. And God is omnipotent over all salvation. He, all things are possible with him. So can I say today as we close, what are the things that are too hard for you? What are the things that you say are impossible? And today, are you trusting in your power? Or today, are you trusting in the God who is omnipotent? Are you trusting today a God who is all-powerful? I wonder today if there are people in this room, or maybe those who are watching online, and you say, you know what, Pastor, you don't know my life. You don't know the things I've done in my past. And, you know, I've made way too many mistakes in my life. And there's just no way, there's just no way that God could ever do anything with me. It's impossible. Can I say to you today, with man, it is impossible. But with God today, all things are possible. Would you believe in him today? with the things that you shared at the very beginning of this message today and said, these things today, Lord, are too hard for me. Can I say today they're not too hard for God? 
Maybe today is a day that you said, Lord, I'm tired of trying to take control of some things in my life that are beyond my power, that, but, that are not beyond yours, Lord. Today is a day that, Lord, I want to turn some, over th- turn some things over to you, God, and say, God, I need your power. I need your power over creation. I need your power over all flesh. And God, I need your power over salvation. Would you pray with me? Maybe today is the day that you say, Lord, with me and my power, this is impossible. But day, Lord, I trust that with you, all things are possible because, God, you are all-powerful. You are omnipotent. Lord, I pray that as we come to this time, this time of invitation I I know there's some that's in this room and they think about a loved one who's not a believer and there's times in their hearts they wonder if their salvation is possible they seem so far off from you God I pray there'd be those today that says Lord today It may seem impossible in my mind, but God, all things are possible with you, Lord. And I pray there'd be some today that would lay their loved ones, their unbelieving family members, their wayward son or their wayward daughter or their wayward family member, and say, God, you are omnipotent over all flesh, and God, you are omnipotent over salvation, and God, I trust you with my loved one. This is beyond my power, Lord. But Lord, it's still within your reach. And Lord, today I give them to you, Lord. Save them today. I pray there'd be those that will pray for their lost loved ones today. Lord, I pray there'd be those that were in this room to be praying over some issues of, in their life, some maybe health issues, maybe it's relationship issues, maybe it's finances. And maybe to be those today that says, you know, Lord, I've been trying to find hope in, in other things except finding hope in you today or trusting in you. Lord, today I want to trust in you and your power. Lord, I pray there'd be those today that have never put their faith in salvation, never found forgiveness and salvation in you. And I pray those today would put their faith in you, Lord, for salvation today. Lord, lead us in this time of invitation. I pray there's some need to come to this altar and pray. I pray they would do that and lay some things at your feet that are, that are too hard for them. Lord, I pray it's now we would just give you this time. God, thank you. That when things are over our head, they're still under your feet. Lord, help us lay those things to your feet, at your feet, Lord.
and trust, Lord, that you have the power to lead us and to change our circumstances, to make us more than conquerors. So, Lord, lead us, Lord, now in prayer. Lead us in response, I pray. In your name we pray. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.